And I began to realize that I wasn't writing a song. I was being asked, what really matters most to you? You know, you've got uh, uh, you, the performance thing, you've got that down, accolades and being able to win and, and drive numbers and create success. But would you walk away from that? You are listening to the ReLeaders podcast, your number one source for impact leaders harnessing capitalism to sustain the planet, people, and profits. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and that boom moment came from Stacey Wallace, a faith-based leader and current executive vice president at VoxOx, who in today's episode helps us surrender emotions to stay in the moment. Also in this episode, we dive into the mindset for your next meeting, the importance of identifying a North Star, and how to tap into a higher consciousness. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the real Stacy Wallace. Enjoy. That's for damn sure. All right, let's get this show on the road. Here we go in five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome everyone to this episode of the Relators Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, here today to talk about purpose-driven leadership is our friend, Miss Stacy Wallace. Stacy, thanks for being with us today. Man, it's my privilege to be here. I'm excited. Stacey, Sport the red just for you, Kevin. I've had more fun with you before the podcast than any other guest on the show. I'm excited. That's because we've been rapping. We've been rapping. I heard maybe some breakdancing may come out today. I'm not sure. <laughs> you just never know. You're standing up, right? I am standing All right, up. There yeah. you go. Hey, now, <laughs> I got the energy. <laughs> it, 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 folks, you may you may see some things you haven't seen before. Uh, but Stacy, you know, I'm I'm really interested to get to learn about you. Uh, you're bringing a lot of energy to the show today. Maybe just unpack to our audience where this comes from, what your experience is before you got to Voxox. Well, I, I'm the executive vice president of strategy and marketing for a large telecommunications company. And so my story, actually, it's it's led me here, I'd like to say. I grew up very much of an entrepreneur ever since I was a little bitty. I've, I've been out there being a solo entrepreneur and looking for ways that back in the day, I was a singer and actress. And even when I was just a little girl, I was standing on stages. I had a mom and dad that actually... Uh, they were one of those rare breed parents that really got behind and said that you can't, there's nothing you can't do. And so in that season of my life, I went out for everything, basketball. I went, I went out for football. I went out for uh, every sport you can imagine singing Broadway. And it just happened to meet with great success. And so for many years of my life, I was recording artists, recorded five CDs, but I began to realize that I was driven by achievement. Actually, probably a better way to say it is I was I was addicted to the performance mentality and all too often that becomes an addiction. And so for me, I found very quickly that there was a great drive in me to compete. I competed on high levels of sports and martial arts, but at the same time. Uh, there was an emptiness inside of me that was like, no matter how many awards I would win, um, and with every award, you have setbacks. And I often say um, on my radio show, when you have a setback, don't take a step back, but get ready for your comeback, because sometimes a setback 
is a setup and it's a time for you to pivot, rethink your leadership. Well, ever since I was little, I've had a lot of setbacks, was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis when I was a baby and uh, had numerous times where I lost my voice, houses burned down, numerous setbacks in my life. But what I found was that every setback has a purpose. And everything we go through, even as corporate executives, if we don't allow the setback to identify us, we can use the setback to propel us. And so all the way through my young career, uh, I had numerous setbacks, but I'd bounce back. And people would say, you're the bounce back queen, like you're the comeback queen. Um, And finally, uh, when I pivoted into business, into corporate America, I found the same thing. There was a lot of success, a lot of opportunity. I didn't go to college. Uh, I was just a street smart girl. I was a, uh, I'd get in there. I was a grinder. I'd hustle. I'd do whatever I had to do. Learned quality speaking skills at a young age and just learned how to communicate with people and let the certainty that was in my heart outweigh the uncertainty that may be in any specific room. And in doing that, uh, it opened up opportunities. Uh, And those opportunities led for me to be able to become a corporate executive, have great success, raise up companies into the hundreds of millions and sales teams into the hundreds of thousands. And I say all that, it sounds incredibly braggadocious, but I believe it is centered not on my capabilities, but on my faith of believing in the impossible. And so that goes all the way back to my mom and pop when we, I was just a little girl and they told me, nothing is impossible when you believe. And the more I bought into that, yes, I had to fall down, scrape my knees, go through business failures, lose millions, make millions. But I began to realize that truly how we perceive leadership is as significant as the mechanism we use in order to express our leadership. So, okay, so let's break this down a little bit. So is the the purpose, is it more faith and faith-based driven? Is it an external thing? Or like you said it for yourself, is it an internal thing? Is it your own purpose, your own why? How do you break these th- things down and then translate that to a larger company? Mm-hmm. Well, I've done a lot of study on neuroplasticity, neuroscience. And again, when I wanted to go to college, I could never get this release in my in my peace zone is what I call it. I always felt like there was friction or conflict. I had the money to go, but something inside of me said to learn outside of the box of what others will teach you so that you can begin to have a fresh perspective on what other people haven't seen. And so uh, back years ago, I'm now 50, so I'm excited that I'm entering into the second half of my life. But back in the day, that was scary because there were certain things you should do in growing your leadership. Well, I began to realize that half of me And in studying the way the brain works and in studying the way our consciousness works, it depends what angle you come at. If you come at it from a scientific perspective, consciousness ends at what we can't test for. So it ends at a place where you finally get to a place and doctors will go, well, we just, we can't, we haven't yet figured that out. If you come from the position of the divine this way, which I decided that's the way I was going to live my life, was suddenly everything is possible. And now you're working it back. How do you get to humanity in such a way that you can create hope, help, and healing, whatever your talent is? So I believe that that faith base that we talk about, I believe it is bigger than me. I, I personally believe in God. So I personally believe that I have this connection 
that allows me to hear things that other people may not hear because I give credit to where the credit is due. Hmm. So I can download strategies, Kevin, get things in the corporate business arena that allow me to see forward where other people might be stuck on the actual uh, brick and mortar or the, the, um, you know, what's present right now in their current life. I always see beyond what's currently present. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. People are, you know, maybe just stuck on the day to day, Uh, especially if you're inside a company, it's like being inside uh, a bottle, right? The label's on the outside and you can't read it. So when you come inside, you're able to maybe express that, that bigger picture um, that people can't see since they're too close to the company. And I get that now. Uh, do you only work with organizations who are faith-based or is the faith-based just something that can translate to a, a larger purpose? Well, interesting like, that you went faith-based first. You probably looked me up as a personal, on uh, my personal profile. But if you look me up as a leader, I work with organizations of all types. Yes, I do work with nonprofit organizations, um, but I work with companies to help companies find their true north. And I've done this for many years. And the beautiful part is a company can have a really great product. They can have a really great strategy. They can even have great team members. But if they don't have a solid purpose or true north or that identifying cause that they are on this planet to solve for, ultimately, it'll probably be like an ember that burns out. Or you'll have a team of people whose uh, community that they work within will will create burnout in them, humanly speaking. So what I do is I go into companies and I help them identify, number one, what is their core value proposition? Like, what are they really bringing to the marketplace? What is the thing that they can be number one in the world at? Have they identified that? What are some of the uh, roadblocks that they have internally? But more important than all that and what their product does, what it doesn't do is what is the why behind your company? And the company I'm currently executive vice president of marketing and strategy for a company called Voxox. When I came to Voxox, they have such a powerful product. Uh, They're basically shifting what they used to do for big enterprise uh, companies in communications. They're now shifting it into helping small business owners really get a foot forward. Uh, Most small business owners, they don't feel like they have enough money to do what they need to do. And so you've got all these big companies that have all these winning edges and communication tools and press one if you want to speak to customer support, press two if you want to. Well, now what's happened is big companies are pivoting, especially post-pandemic, to realize that the lifeblood of our economy, if you really wanna do good, then you've gotta go to the denominator that is actually creating the heartbeat of our country. And in this country, small businesses are the lifeblood of the US economy. So this particular company, instead of just focusing on big businesses, they chose to pivot. Uh, The COVID experience gave them a perfect opportunity to not only identify their true north, but really put it to action. Everybody wants to do good or everybody wants to be a leader, but not everybody's willing to pay the price it takes to be that leader. So they put their, uh, their money where their mouth is, per se, and they began to really help small businesses in this season of pandemic get their communication tools on another level so that they could come back strong. And uh, even the small business radio show that I have called the Comeback Small Business Radio Show is they're the sponsors of it. It's their, it's their idea coming into the marketplace. How can we do good 
for small businesses without any uh, looking for reciprocation? How can we just do something that creates a message of hope, help, and healing for small businesses everywhere? And that's really, um, call that faith. Uh, In my personal life, I'm very much, and everybody that works with me knows that I'm a woman of faith. I practice uh, my faith daily. I believe that it should be seen more and not heard. But in corporate America, I believe it's an extension of what we believe is being able to give back to the people that are around us. We see this with uh, a lot of new companies, a lot of social enterprises, uh, mission-driven mm-hmm. companies, purpose-driven companies, whatever you values driven, whatever you want to say. But for listeners out there, you know, they've really flipped the model. You know, it used to be, you know, cut costs, uh, you know, increase and maximize shareholder value as much as you can until you get to a point that you can now give back to your communities, to your employees, employee benefits packages like that. But I think, Stacey, maybe what you're saying is when you have that north, all of your decisions are centered around that purpose. And that becomes the sole driver of your profitability. It's kind of flipped on its head. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting concept. Now, what specifically, and maybe if, if you have a one-liner, what is the purpose of VoxOx? VoxOx has been created to create telecommunication solutions for small business owners and give them a big voice. So that's probably the easiest way I can really, our our brand promise is to make life better for many. So that's a pretty broad brand promise, but that's what we love about VoxOx is we, yes, we have solid products that offer, for example, text message marketing. We provide text message marketing today. It's a new form of communication. It has a 500% better open rate than email. So anybody before pandemic that was doing email, they're now pivoting into a new modality of text message marketing. Uh, 98% of all text messages are opened and 90% of them are opened within three minutes. So how can we help small business owners? Well, most of them are still using social media to talk about their brand. Most of them are still using um, email marketing, but they're having a problem because people, it's very noisy there. So that is one of the value propositions that we offer in text message. Now, obviously we have phone solutions and all that, but how does that relate to True North? Well, we could just have a product. It could just be about text message marketing, but I like to liken that as when I buy a swimming pool, you could come and try to sell me on the, the actual shovel or the digger that's going to dig the hole. You can sell me on the pump. You can sell me on the heater. But really what I care about as an end consumer is that 4th of July party where my family's going to be around the swimming pool and my kids are going to come home. We used to talk about grind and push 2019. That was really the big name of the game. And today it's about how do we connect with humanity? How do we really connect on a personal level with that person that's going to come into our store or buy our product? How can we create a community that they want to come back to and that it's not just about the sell, but it's about the experience, not just today, but year after year after year. And that's a big change that pandemic did uh, for all businesses is it forced authenticity. I mean, look at here, we're doing this interview and I'm in my home. That's authentic. I can't hide. My daughter, just while you were talking, daughter just walked in and went upstairs. We're forcing a real, raw, relevant revolution in businesses. And I love it. I'm all about it, too. And uh, it's nice because I've been working at home. So it's an easy transition for us. I mean, we're, we're kind of positioned in that way in the first place. 
Um, but I'm curious though, I'm still trying to figure out this purpose with Vox Ox. Mm-hmm. Um, is this increasing your employee engagement? Are they feeling that their work is being tied to helping out small business owners? Mm-hmm. What are some things for business owners listening to this right now who are trying to find a true north, trying to implement and discover their own why? What are some things for them to take away uh, from Vox Ox? Well, what we've done is we've We've actually taken this pause per se. Now we happen to be a technology company, so we can work from anywhere as well. But what is your driving, what we call KPIs, right? In business, your key performance indicators. So many times that's numbers, that's uh, product, that's how you drive your product into the hands of the end consumer. And unfortunate, fortunately, that does drive value to your stakeholders. What it doesn't necessarily do is make life better for many. So what we looked at is how can we take a different approach to our brand? And instead of just being a widget company per se, how can we actually be a part of a greater conversation of human good? How can we use what we do in order to get into the heart and the life of more people so that we can then create a community where we can give them intrinsic value through training and coaching, small business leadership development. So our KPI is actually key piece indicator. Uh, It's been interesting watching our staff in this new normal, uh, being at home, not, but we've got a lot of engineers, a lot of developers. Those guys are, are, they love to connect with one another. So how do we maintain a KPI, a key piece indicator in our company so that we continue to make life better, not just for our customers and our stakeholders, but also for our own employees. Well, we implemented a few things. Like we've got, I've just been interviewed recently about the importance of micro uh, power naps. I call them micro naps. Uh, Importance of using this time right now to teach how, how to encourage uh, your employees, your team to do real life, the same authenticity that we're experiencing through our Zoom meetings and everything getting real and raw. We're having to do that with our employees as well. So what's one way that we can increase some peace or maybe a little bit of fun? Every Friday we do show and tell. So all of our developers from all over, they come online and we've got ukulele specialists. <laughs> we've got kazoo specialists. We've got people who show maybe what they accomplished this week. But it's creating community where we celebrate one another and not just tolerate the fact that we work together. I'm going to have to ask someone at Vox Ox to send over that video of you doing uh, some break dancing on Friday as well. Yeah, sure <laughs> I haven't done that yet. They don't really know that that was private for you, Kevin. But <laughs> Well, how, now the whole world knows. Stay yeah. Uh, part partially of uh, another uh, output of being vulnerable. Now, uh, Stacy, I am curious about your own individual habits. Uh, you seem to be very driven. Maybe if there's something you get bored of, you want to start a new hobby and be the best at it. Uh, you mentioned you're a black belt in karate. Um, you know things like this. You also said you practice faith every single morning. What's the daily regimen of Stacy mm. Wallace? So for me, I have a, a something I call boom, right? And I, for me, it's a it's a it's a mindset reset. Boom says break out of mediocrity, mm-hmm. right? So when you boom, if the rest of the world is doing it, chances are it's not worth following, because any great leader had to break out of the norm of what everyone else is doing. In my faith, there's something that says be in the world, but not of it. In other words, experience it, love the people around you, do good for everyone if it's in your power to do good. But 
make sure that you remain um, a bit of distance so that you can also be a thought leader, so that you can think ahead of where the world is and make sure that you're one of the folks that's contributing to where the world is going. So for me personally, uh, on a daily basis, I have my routine of when I get up, when I have my, you know, we've got a a 85 pound uh, Aussie and we've got a four and a half pound Yorkie that demand a lot of attention in the morning. My peace time, my time of meditation and prayer being able before I hit uh, the go button in business, uh, I make sure that I've been taken care of as a leader and that I'm in a peace zone. Uh, KPI for me is really important. I know if like today I am back to back to back to back in meetings. I know if I don't schedule peace time for me that I will ultimately not be operating at optimal efficiency for anyone. So that's why I talk about micro naps or power naps. A little 20 minute nap in there helps reboot your mind. It actually helps you have better critical thinking skills, better communication skills, all of which help you be able to produce more. And so for me, whether it's athletics, and I mentioned athletics earlier to you, I'm like 50% a very driven business person but I'm also 50% missionary. So my grandfather was a missionary that raised up missionaries and sent them all over the world. My father was did that as well and was also a, a minister. And he was our first generation businessman and missionary. So he did both. So he did real estate in order to raise money for the mission field. Well, then it gets to a me. And I'm very passionate about business. I'm very passionate about empowering and inspiring leaders in the marketplace so that we can have more people that aren't just winning, but they're actually doing good in the process. We're in a great season of that. I'm at a great company to be able to do that. But that is a big core value for me is making sure that I'm not just in that addicted mode of perform, perform, execute, execute, which we do as leaders. But I'm also allowing myself to breathe in the other 50% of my being, which is making sure that I'm a conduit of heaven to earth. And I'm not a conduit of heaven to earth because of my skill sets, because those are a dime a dozen. I'm a conduit of heaven to earth because of my mindset and my ability to think and process love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, in the midst of a crazy, crazy world that we live in. Stacey, that's really great. And we, we, we see that with a lot of, you know, purpose-driven leaders, um, you know, believing in something bigger than themselves, having the inputs, the regimens, the healthy diets, the, mm-hmm. like you said, the meditative process. It's actually almost weird, like how many leaders we've interviewed, like meditate consistently mm-hmm. on a daily basis and how great it's been for them. And that, Many people don't really do that. Now, right. you mentioned you're going to be in meeting after meeting after meeting. Now, I'm curious about your meeting style. What do you do before the meetings? How do you like to run them? And could you give us a couple of tips? Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny because I was on, I actually spoke at a live virtual event this week and I was supposed to go on at two o'clock and instead they turned it me on in my warm up. And believe it or not, Kevin, my warm up did look a lot like rapping. <laughs> and I was in a zone to where I know if I bring a level seven 
to people who operate at seven, I will bring them down. I've got to come into meetings at a 10. And, and it's a lot of responsibility is again, everybody wants leadership, but not everybody's willing to pay the price. How do you pay the price? You have to invest in personal growth and development. You have to invest in a, a healthy lifestyle. You have to invest in meditation, prayer, whatever your practice is in order to connect with the divine. And if you don't, then you're going to be operating out of what I call out of your storehouse and not out of a greater storehouse that's bigger than yourself. Hmm. Um, there's a currency that we operate in that's, oh, I call it the currency of under gravity. It's our talents, it's our abilities, it's our thought processes, uh, it's, our, it's our money, it's our matter, it's our home, it's our cars. But then there's a currency that is out of this world. And that currency you can't buy, you can't in invest with money to get it. It's, it's not something that somebody can just lay on you. It's something that comes as a result of practicing, becoming a master of this thing we call humanity. And I think there was, you know, obviously my personal uh, hero in that would be Jesus who mastered the art of the human experience, love when they hate, uh, do good when they persecute. Uh, that requires not being of this world. And so when we talk about how does that parlay to businesses and bring, how can businesses bring that mindset into what they're doing? I think it's stepping back and looking at what do we really do? I, I did an interview just a few hours ago that somebody was talking about a company that they're an energy company. And during COVID, they realized nobody wants to really talk about energy. So what did they do is they stepped back and they began to realize that really what they're finding is their customers are struggling at home doing homeschool and, and the fathers are stressed out and the moms are. So what did they do is they stepped back and said, how can we use energy to make life better for many? So what did they do? They started creating these micro units of teaching for parents to use with their kids to teach them the science behind energy, behind windmills. They made a strategic pivot. And I believe that pivot will last for them forever. If they'll maintain that connection with their customer, identifying, yes, we sell energy, but what do we really sell? We sell security. We sell family relationships. We, we sell the fact that the lights come on so we can play Monopoly at night. As, as this intentional pause we've experienced for many, it's caused companies to close, it's caused many people to have heart disease and stress, but really what it could do if we saw it with the cup half full is maybe the setback is a setup for us to rethink how we're doing business and how we're doing life. Uh, I'm trying to get an understanding for this meeting process though. I know we kind of went away from that a little bit. I want you to be very specific about how you run meetings because meetings to me are more than just a conversation. It's a moment and they're game changing moments. And some meetings have changed the face of this world. I mean, I'm reading something the other day about Tony Robbins, uh, about JFK's conversation with Gorbachev um, during uh, the, you know, the Bay of Pigs and, and just like the whole Cold War. And in, in that meeting, he said, Gorby, let's go take a walk outside, change mm -hmm. the landscape, change the environment, change exactly. the mood of that meeting that saved the world. Now, for you in a meeting, Stacey, what do you do to prepare and what specifically are you trying to get out of that meeting? I go into meetings not looking what I can get out. And sincerely, this could sound very trite, but even coming into this, Kevin, 
what what do I have to give? Mm. If I can go into a meeting, even in a negotiation, and if you follow me, I'm a negotiator. That's what I do. I, I find strategies. I find holes in businesses. I find opportunities to negotiate on behalf of the company or the leader that I'm working for. I'm also a life coach. One of the key indicators of a good life coach is that they listen. And so your ear is always uh, one hand, you're, uh, for me, I'm one hand on the direct connect, right, of the divine. And on the other, I'm listening to who I'm in the room with so that in any given moment, it might be taking a walk outside so that we can create a different perspective. I have never had a specific, I mean, I have process when I go into meetings, Mm. but just like you came into this meeting and you say, Stacy, I don't have a prescribed or predestined list of questions I want to ask you. Let's see where it goes. Well, in a meeting, you obviously go into a meeting with an agenda of things you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. But if you actually surrender, once that meeting, that's in your DNA, that's in your subconscious, you know what you need to get out of it. But then if you surrender that and say, wait a minute, what can the room give to this conversation that's bigger than what I thought I needed my outcome to be? So there's been many times where I've gone into a room of negotiating and I'm sitting around a room. I may be the only woman in the room. A lot of times that would create inferiority. For me, it creates an opportunity, I believe, that I can bring something that maybe the other seven men in the room might not have seen. So I'm not looking at what I can get out of it or or I'm not intimidated by it. I have a womb. My, my chemical makeup is different. I'm going through menopause. That's just like freaky weird right in itself. So there's something in me that comes into a meeting. And if I really look at my partners or even those that I'm trying to negotiate with, and I think, how can I help them have their best outcome? Because if I can help create a win for them, it will automatically come back and be a win for me and for our company. And so the perspective of meetings for me is always, yes, we have our set agenda, uh, but the agenda gets quickly surrendered to a higher, a true north of making life better for many. And if you live with that as your filter, you're always going into meetings with the perspective of number one, did we hit our bullet points? Yes. But number two, did we make sure that we left the room better when we left it than when we entered? And I would like to say that mm. there's a lot of meetings, even international meetings, even political meetings, where true leaders could not say that. They couldn't say that room was better when I left because there was chaos and frustration and division and a lot of self-centered greed. When we can strip that, and again, going back to what I said before, the conversation that is above me the world, matter, form, cars, companies, digits, into how do we transcend a meeting and say, wait a minute, what if we partnered together to make life better for many? What would that look like? And that's why you have to take a walk. That's why you have to get out of a boardroom. It's in order to get into a different space. I love that, Stacy. very well said. And I like what you're saying about filters. I think that's that's amazing. That can be applied in any meeting, in any situation, in any company. And it seems like you've done that with your values. I mean, think of it like a like a fishbowl almost. Like you got fish, the people, or the company, but your values are that filter, and everything gets filtered mm-hmm. through that. And and when you're talking about transformation, we've talked a lot about today about the authenticity, the rawness. Now we're living in our homes. This backdrop is literally in my bedroom, and I'm okay with that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So w- w- going forward. 
what needs to change? Is it the the authenticity of the corporate structure that has suppressed so many people, downgraded so many people, and left companies authentic? What are some transformation? What are some sorry? Excuse me. What are some things that you see needs to transform uh, in order to uh, bring that realness out of uh, out of humanity? You know, Kevin, we unfortunately technology has rapidly advanced but it hasn't necessarily improved us as a human being. And I'm gonna pause and just let's breathe on that for just a second. We're smarter than we've ever been. We have more stuff than we've ever had. We, we can blast through the universe because of our innovation, but are we really better as human beings? Do we love, deeply love unconditionally? In 2017, I believe I had a boom moment for me. A, a breaking out of my own. I, I, I was at the peak of my financial career. I was operating on all cylinders, winning awards, doing amazing things. And I, and I woke up and at three o'clock in the morning and I felt like I was having this song play over and over in my head that I'd never heard before. And it just said, will you say yes? Would you sacrifice your life? And of course, having been a music uh, producer and recording artist years ago, I thought, well, maybe I'm writing a song. And so I got up and I went into my office and I started writing down the words and it just started to flow. Will you say yes? Would you sacrifice your life? Will you, would you say yes? Would you raise the knife? And I'm starting to think, these are weird words. Will you say yes? Or will you turn and walk away? Will you say yes to me today? And so I'm starting to process, okay, what is this meaning? Cause it's like, I've got the song, I've got the rhythm, everything. And I began to realize that I wasn't writing a song. I was being asked what really matters most to you. You know, you've got uh, uh, the performance thing. You've got that down accolades and being able to win and, and drive numbers and create success. But would you walk away from that? Hmm. If I just asked you, not because you have to, but would you walk away from it? And Kevin, my husband woke up (laughs) that morning and I said to him, I said, I think, I think God's asking us, or asking me to give up my position mm. and my money, like to give it away. Mm. And he was like, okay, cause he's gone through these kind of things with me before when I have these epiphanies. Um, we actually have an RV show that's called RV epiphany <laughs> because these epiphanies, they move you through life if you listen to them. So I stepped away from what I was doing and all the money that I was making, the awards that I was winning and began to give back. One month later, my husband comes to me and he says, I don't think it was just for you. I think I'm supposed to do it as well. Now we're 48, 47 years old. And we go through this season for two and a half years, Kevin, giving everything we have away, everything. Hmm. Going nine months without a vehicle, not because we had to, but because we felt that there was something we were supposed to learn about this human experience that you cannot learn unless you experience detachment. And so we didn't go to India or somewhere around the world to find detachment. We were right here in the United States of America, where all of our friends are, where people are watching us, where we go from being at everything to suddenly, if we wanted to go anywhere, we had to ask for a ride. The humility that it drove inside of our hearts, it changed us. In 2018, 
um, I was asked to be the director and my husband as well of a big event that fed 10,000 homeless people in Dallas, Texas. Mm. And we had already been practicing giving and giving. And, you know, it's one thing to be somebody of wealth and you flip a bone or you give money. It's another thing to get in the gutter. It's another thing to go there. And it's another thing to allow yourself to become a part of the suffering of humanity around you. In 2018, my life was drastically changed at that event. And I met a woman, her name was Christina Willis, and she was homeless and she was living in and out of hotels and in her car. She had two precious grandbabies and uh, she's a white woman. Her grandbabies are black children. She has a biracial daughter that had these two beautiful boys that she now has full um, control over and custody over. And I meet her and I began a journey with her that revolutionized my life. She read my first book. I've got a number of books and this book helped her transform her thinking. And then she read my second book and she became a connoisseur of what we're talking about right now for high business executives. She became a connoisseur of the same information. I'm sorry, I get emotional, but it transformed her life to where we were able to, we have something called a Cinderella suite. We were able to help her, humanly speaking, get back on her feet, save up enough money to buy herself a car. She just two weeks ago moved into a home. Um, her life is totally and radically changed. My question to all of my colleagues would be, what if we all made less important the things that have all obviously made us popular and more important, the things that really make us human? connect with the world around, connect with the city around us, connect with the people who are suffering. I mean, we've got people suffering right now and they're doing it in, the, in my opinion, a lot of them in the wrong way because they're creating more suffering, but we have to listen to that room, Kevin, mm. that room, something's wrong with that room when we have people looting and hurting and killing. But if you listen long enough, you can come up with new solutions. And that's what we're doing, hopefully not only at our company, but even by being a, an example for other companies around us. It, that's the message. That's the message I wrote down. Listen more, listen mm. more. I mean, that that seems to be the thing that you are doing that, I, I mean, I don't know if you believe everything happens for a reason, but it seems like, you know, that might be what a lot of people can be paying attention to, tuning mm -hmm. into the, this epiphany, this higher consciousness. You know, mm -hmm. I like to say people are like purpose-driven beings. We mm -hmm. grow towards a purpose like a tree grows to light. It's the same thing. There's always mm -hmm. this constant need of finding out why you're here in the first place. Now, when did you get to that moment, Stacy? When did you wake up? Was it something that happened? Uh, and where were you in your life at that time? And, and where would you say you are now? It, it was an intentional moment, I believe, where my world was rocked. <laughs> I was a country music singer married to a world champion rodeo cowboy, and um, my life fell apart. He left me, and I was young, and I went through suicidal depression. Now, I, again, grandpa's a missionary, dad's a minister, so my world, what, what seemed to be a perfect script mm. of a perfect life, I hit a major brick wall that left me in a place of deep, dark suffering. My, my mindset was I, I'm not good enough, I'm unwanted. I, I was just a young girl, I was in my early 20s, and I'm, I, you know, obviously no one wants me. Um, now I'm used, I'm divorced. Uh, how could I ever be of use hmm. to the world now? And, and I put myself through this mental trauma and then I, 
planned out how I was going to kill myself. Mm. And I remember sitting in the living room, um, suffering, crying, and I was almost numb, just clicking through the channels and one channel after another. And it was like, I wasn't even paying attention. I was just mindlessly clicking through channels. And, and when I clicked on one of the channels, there was this lady that had pink hair and like, I thought she was crazy. And I was like, oh my goodness, why do people have to be so weird? Like she was some Christian woman on a TV show and I actually judged her harshly. <laughs> and I thought, you know, why do they, why do people have to be like that? But it was long enough to grab my attention because the next commercial was a commercial for an event, kind of like a motivational event, a faith-based event. And it said, if you need a life turnaround, meet us in Dallas, Texas, Fort, Dallas, Fort Worth for this event. And it was just long enough for me to hear the information. I was able to look it up and I ended up going to that event. And Kevin, it radically changed my life. I realized that I was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis as a baby. And the doctor said it was a miraculous healing because there's no cure for cystic fibrosis. You know, my grandfather and all their preachers and ministers prayed for me. And then next day it was all gone. All the lung disease was gone. The, the fluid in my lungs was gone. And I never had another form of cystic fibrosis. So, you know, some people don't believe in miracles. I am a product of a miracle. I've gone through my whole life watching how there's something more than our human experience. And that's why when I teach on consciousness, when I teach on having a spirit consciousness or a human consciousness, they're very different. When I, when I go into an office in a room and I realize that there is a humanity, but there's also another plane, another dimension of existence, that, that's where I want to play. That's where I want to tap into. So that pivot point in my life where I hit the brick wall, I had to decide what do I believe? I couldn't believe just because my family believed something. I had to find out for myself what is real. I could go to the end of science and realize that can't be it because it ends in questions. If it was the absolute truth, then they would have the solution at the end of every question, but it always leads to, well, we haven't quite solved for that. And so for me, I realized, you know what, I'd rather start from the premise of there being this incredible God that loves us, that has a plan and a no matter who we are, no matter what our mistakes are, no matter what our background, our color, our style, there's a plan for us and all things. You said it a minute ago that there might be a purpose in everything. I believe all things, even the seemingly worst things, my house burning down, um, my, my losing my, shredding my vocal cords, my best friend sleeping with my boyfriend when I was 18 years old, I was a virgin and she sleeps with my, I believe all things. Now in the moment you feel like your life is going to fall apart and you're going to die, hmm. but all things work together for good. If you give them space and then listen to the moment, what is it saying? Well, maybe it's saying that guy wasn't meant for you. Hmm. I have better. So instead of holding on to the trauma, holding on to the pain and seeking vengeance, maybe we listen deeper and say, what is this saying? It's saying, wait a minute, there's a lot of hatred in the world. There's a lot of greed and jealousy and backbiting and selfishness. Maybe I don't want to be a part of that. Maybe I want to be a solution to bring something better to the world. 
And that came because of my story. That's powerful, Stacey. Thanks for sharing that. It's very powerful being in the moment, you know, being able to grasp reality, what's around you. It's very difficult. You know, it sounds like you said, it's right, but it's it's just a, a simple thing that maybe it may help a lot of people listening to this. And I'm sure it's helped many people that uh, you've been able to work with in the past as well. Now, Stacey, I really want to dive into consciousness. I'm like big on this topic as well. Oh, good. A, a neuroscientist on anesthesiologists on um we've had people with psychedelics on i mean we we're talking big big c here right so consciousness what exactly is it to you and uh what have you learned about it i have spent many years uh this is where i would say that i have i have been blessed instead of going down the pathway of traditional learning Uh, I've gone down the pathway of becoming, I hunger and I thirst for understanding the divine connection. And so when I talk about consciousness, when I understand consciousness, and again, I've, I've lived a life where I've experienced deep, deep, deep pain and suffering. Um, I've also experienced really big wins and success. And I think to myself about where do those things lie as long as I'm alive. Well, they lie in my human consciousness because they're form and matter, right? So there is a human consciousness that I believe that that consciousness can be slowed down with sleep. It can be slowed down by uh, when you go under, uh, uh, what's it called? When you, when you the, the drugs that the doctors give you. Um, Aesthetics. As, yeah, no, um, come on, Kevin, what's Morphine. the word, million dollars? <laughs> Morphine? Okay, morphine's good. So what it does is it slows down your human consciousness, right? But that is not the only consciousness that that we have. I believe that consciousness is a part or an operation of the brain, when we're talking about human consciousness, that is stimulated by outside force. Now, how does that relate? I also believe there's spirit consciousness. So let me, if I had a a PowerPoint, I would show you that think about the human experiences that we experience, whether it's joy, marriage, life, and it, it creates these thoughts and these memories. And we can lay down at night. And although our body is resting, our consciousness is still in operation while we're sleeping. It may operate slowly. So things can become more clear, or for some people, they're completely drowned out. I dream vividly at night. And it's in color. And sometimes those dreams are are foretelling of things to come. I dreamed two weeks before our house burned down that the house would burn down. Um, I've been able to uh, identify market shifts before they happen. That's not happening because I'm studying that. That's happening because I'm tapping into a realm of consciousness that is not human. So why why LSD? Why do people want to tap into being able to manipulate the brain in such a way that it opens up additional portals and understandings? Um, I do the same way through prayer and meditation. So I am looking to tap into something I don't have. Uh, On my mirror in my bathroom, ironically enough, is written with Sharpie that I will overtake you and impregnate you with skills and wisdom you don't even know to ask for. Now I'm asking God or the divine, the universe, I'm asking God to give me what I don't have so that when I walk into a room, tonight I'll be on a call with Malaysia and India and Africa, 
we're having to problem solve for some things for some big corporations. I don't have the answer, Kevin, going into that meeting, but I know who does. And I want to tap into a, a higher level of understanding than my colleagues. Hmm. I want to tap into an understanding that says there's a problem and there is no problem that can't be solved, in my opinion. So that consciousness, let's just say the earth consciousness or human consciousness, anything that's under that consciousness that is of negative value. So let's say anger, resentment, fear, bitterness, greed, depression, um, they're in the realm of what I would say fear or the heaviness under gravity. That's our kryptonite, right? So most people today, they live in the draw of our kryptonite. So if you think about Superman, what was that that drug him down that that felt like they had even uh, the the amount of energy we expense consciously trying to overcome anxiety, trying to overcome stress. And we do it in our own human effort. And that's why we end up having to take more drugs. That's why we end up having to take more of something on Earth in order to get us past this human moment. Well, now flip that and let's imagine that's black right? And it's got all the negative roots and that is our human kryptonite. Now flip that into, let's say a, what I would call a turquoise environment. And that turquoise environment is a spirit environment. And what lives up there, you can't buy love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, generosity, long suffering. If we can learn how to shift out and it's not easy, it requires mastery and this is the practice of my life more than business or anything else, is how can I as a human being not only live in absolute love, live in the state of what I would call superpower. You've got kryptonite down here. You've got superpower up here. Well, I have got to get out of my mind. Mm. I can't think normal. I can't think like a human. Humans suffer. They, they're, they're, we have a lot of darkness that we're connected to. But when you connect into a more divine consciousness, now you're able to see things clearly. I can see somebody who comes at me and they're angry and they're bitter and they say something nasty about me. And I don't see them through the filter of kryptonite. I see them through the filter of absolute love. Mm. And I realize that something happened to them either today or in their childhood that caused them to feel such hate. So I don't have to take on their hatred. I don't have to put my consciousness where their consciousness is. I can actually allow myself to live in a place where, you know, it's, it's the sunny side up, mm. right? If you make it just practically simple. And, and scientifically, there's, there's nothing that can prove that we don't have a spirit consciousness, just like there's nothing that can prove the uh, fulfillment of our consciousness with science, with our neurons, with all of our uh, neuroscientists and neuroplasticity, although I am fascinated by it, it's only studying matter. It's not studying what's beyond this life, what's beyond the control, what's, what makes up the energy that gives us the great ideas. As companies, if we can tap into that, now let's go back to the walk outside right? Sometimes you're in a, a heated moment and you're in a meeting and you know what you need to get out of the meeting and they know what they need to get out of the meeting. Well, we're operating in kryptonite mm. because if there's an impasse that we've got to get into, a, this is why you take a walk. Hey, let's go outside. Let's take a walk. Maybe it'll just open us up to something different. Why? It shifts our consciousness from greed, me, need to transformation. How can we create a transformational relationship in this agreement? 
and there is just such a reductionist point of view, right? It's just matter. It's just chemicals. But there is mm-hmm. something else. And that was what this uh, neuroscientist was trying to say on the show mm-hmm. is the consciousness is very similar to what you just said, is, uh, Stacey, is, is it's uh, the brain just processing the consciousness. It's actually it's not mm-hmm. something that we have. It's some, The consciousness is something that's outside of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people like those psychedelics. Uh, after they take them, you know, they feel like uh, they're accepting to all emotions of the right. The nights, the things like that. So it, it is a bigger conversation. And I really like the idea and the mindset being submissive towards that, letting it be okay. I'm not going to walk into a meeting and have things thought out. I'm going to go in with Malaysia and India and we're going to solve this thing because I'm going to tune in to what's yeah. outside of me already. I really like that that mindset. Now, the one thing that we've talked about, consciousness, subconsciousness, the other thing I want to talk about today is the one thing that has been able and responsible for breaking apart any team, any conversation, any meeting, and that is the ego, the ego, Stacy, the, the the thing that gets in our way, the thing that puts us on our high horse and, and makes us uh, feel confident about ourselves. And, and it's my way or the highway to you, Stacy. What is the ego and how do you dissolve one's ego? Well, if we're going to call a dark consciousness kryptonite, right, anchored, it's influenced by outside forces. So if I watch TV shows, for example, and all the TV shows I watch are about murder and hatred and anger, and there's just, I'm putting into my subconscious constant visuals and understanding of what we don't want to happen in the world. Yeah, there's always a hero at the end, but what do I have to do? subconsciously, even in a movie, to get to that end result. Well, I am actually influencing my human subconscious. That's why people will go to bed and they have nightmares and and they have all these dark things rolling around their head. Why? Because their subconscious is influenced by outside forces. Well, their spirit conscious is also influenced by outside forces. So again, place yourself into places where you're listening to music that actually inspires a positive subconscious. So if, if kryptonite is all those dark things that we really don't want in our life, even though we've made entertainment out of them, we'll sit for two hours watching adultery and, and hatred and anger and all these things that we know create suffering in this world. Let's call that the kryptonite. Right. And why are we so drawn to the kryptonite? Well, if the superpower is connected to all of that currency, what I call kingdom or heaven currency, love, joy, peace. If, if, if that is our superpower, then I would say ego is the green goblin. Right. So if you're a DC comic follower, or if you're into Marvel comics, um, our family may or may not have had a lot of movies in our past where we watch those. The green goblin is always seeking to destroy. Mm. It's selfishly motivated, but there's never a good end. It's never about humanity. It's never about expansion. So if we know that about ourselves, I I have a group of women that meet and uh, I'm a founder of a nonprofit organization called M Women. And we're always talking about the ego. We're always talking about pride because these women come really raw and they'll tell me, you know, many of them have been raped and abused and molested and gone through trafficking. And so we have to have real conversations about suffering and it's very difficult to forgive someone i've got one gal who was molested over and over and over again as a child put in a closet nine brothers they molested her over and over and over again finally one of the brothers on the day that she was out with a friend uh, strapped her and her friend to a railroad track and slit her friend's 
uh, throat in front of her. He ended up going to prison, tried to get her. She got away, ended up escaping to New York. This is crazy. This is real life humanity. Escapes to New York, marries someone and ends up getting beaten to a coma with a candlestick. Right. Greed, 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 envy, ego, ego, ego. So ego has chased her down to destroy her not her internal ego but egos right me what can i get how can i suck the life out of these people and these uh, forces around me so she ends up coming to dallas texas and a girl ends up going hey listen i know this women's meeting i'd love for you to come to so she ends up dropping into our meeting totally unannounced and that night we began to introduce her not to the person she had become because of what ego and pride and hatred had done to her but all things work together for good. Her story is so magnanimous that if she can escape that story, she can be a source of hope, help, and healing to more women than I could ever even imagine being Mm. just because of that story. So when we separate people from ego, whether it's the ego of others, like right now we live in a world of people who are angry because what's happened to them or their ancestors, Mm. it's real but it's it's ego it's selfishness when we separate though and instead of this woman her name is sabrina being angry at the people who have hurt her she's now turned and said you know what i have so much good inside of me i have compassion for them something happened to them to become that evil so she ended up going back to her family forgiving her family inviting her mom who was actually one that allowed all this to happen back into her home for three weeks this last year and i watched healing humanity is possible but you can't do it in that era of the kryptonite subconscious you've got to move into a place of the the divine of, of forgiveness of love of joy and it's not difficult if you've ever been wounded and you've ever been hurt, then you know, and if you've ever had a bad business deal go down because someone was shady, then you know it's difficult to get over your own ego in order to give forgiveness to someone else's ego. It's equally as hard to just change your perspective on things. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you do something like that? How did you do that for this woman who was mistreated poorly? I mean, an incredible story right there, one. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, to the transformation we've seen for her has come from that different perspective, understanding her her upbringing is actually an opportunity for her to now do this. Uh, How do you how do you make that pivot? How do you how do you influence somebody, Stacey, to change their perspective for the better? I don't know how somebody would do it without faith. I really don't. Okay. And so I can't I can't speak to how somebody would do that scientifically or how I do. But for when women or men come with years and years of pain, abuse, alcoholism, when they come, the first place we talk about is number one, let's find out your true identity. You are not an abused, trafficked, molested woman. That's things that have happened to you. If we can separate you from the circumstances of your life and now look that, and, and this is where a lot of people really miss it because they blame God for circumstances instead of realizing that God can heal you right now where you're at, despite those circumstances, there can, you can still operate in love, joy, peace. And I, and I think about some of the greatest world leaders that have been persecuted. They've been prisoners of war, but they've come out of those states because they've realized that, you know what? You didn't kill me, 
I still have a purpose and God still has a plan for my life. So from this day forward, I'm going to use my life for significant good. For our programs, we obviously introduce people to that relationship with a God who cares, not a God who let it happen or a God who forced it to happen, but a God who said, you know what, I'm going to give free will to humanity, Mm -hmm. but I will be there to catch you and I will turn all things around for good if you'll let me. And we've just seen it over and over. That particular girl, her name is Sabrina. She, uh, we did something that was a really special experience. It's a really great identifier where we take her out and she goes into the water and she takes this bag of rocks. And on the rocks are all the things that have hurt her, the significant wounds, the names of people who've molested her. They're all a significant rock of her past. She puts it in hers was a pretty big gallon bag, all these small rocks, but it was a lot that she carried. And when she goes into that water of refreshing and of redemption, and she goes down, she releases those rocks. And we say to her, when you come up, you are set free from your history. Now you get to have, this is the first day of the rest of your life. Obviously in my faith, we call that baptism, right? But it's not just some kind of ritual. For her, it was a letting, significant letting go of everything that are, now we can do that personally. Think about how many people have gone through divorce or how many how many people are suffering right now who maybe their child was murdered or somebody uh, stole your boyfriend or maybe a business deal went bad. We when we call it layering or stacking trauma, when we stack trauma, what happens eventually we become like a house of cards. We will eventually explode. But if we can begin to release trauma, I had both my kids naturally. And I just tell you, Kevin, it hurts like the Dickens, (laughs) but I practiced (laughs) releasing that energy that was negative pain in my body. And I can either like when you stub your toe, you grab it. Well, that's forcing more negative energy into that location versus practice releasing the negative energy releasing the pain. It's not easy. It takes mastery. It takes practice, but you could just practice next time you stub your toe, instead of grabbing your toe and going, ah, and jumping around, just lay down on the floor and practice like a wave, release that negative energy, release that pain out of your body. We can do that subconsciously, even through forgiveness and simple exercises of practicing that higher consciousness. Stacey, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Throughout this whole show, we've stuck to that North Star. We've stuck to purpose-driven leadership. You've been raw. Uh, you've been values-driven. You've been faith-driven. I mean, you exemplify you know, the son of your God, Jesus, who was somebody who was uh, one amongst the poor, amongst the poverty-stricken, uh, amongst people with leprosy. Uh, and I haven't heard you mention any tax collectors yet, but someone who <laughs> was with the worst of the worst, the tax collectors. So Stacy, with all of this in mind, with that North Star, with the purpose driven, with the values based leadership to you, Stacy Wallace, what is your definition of a real leader? You know, I, I, I love the way John Maxwell says leadership is influence. It's nothing more, nothing less. But to me, leadership is simple. It's leading somewhere, someone somewhere worth going um, and being a leader worth following. So I really sincerely believe, Kevin, that's what you guys are doing with this show. And when we become leaders worth following, leading people somewhere worth going, I think we're going to make life better for many. Stacey Wallace said, thank you so much for coming on the show. For Stacey Wallace, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, be a leader worth following. And always, folks, keep it real. Stacey, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Kevin. 
And thank you, good people, for listening to this episode. All one hour and one minute of this episode of the Relators Podcast with Stacy Wallace. We just hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And if you haven't yet left a review, then please, by all means, go to Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the bottom, and leave a review. Let us know what you like, what you didn't like, and how we can improve. Okay. For all the leaders out there, well, leaders are readers. If you want to get our new magazine with Tony Robbins on the front cover, I'd highly recommend reading that story. It's pretty inspiring. I actually have it on my desk. Now, I'll try to take a look at you know it in the morning or at night when I'm trying to fall asleep, something like that. It's nice to have with you on a daily basis. I use it almost every single day. So if you want that magazine, if you want a year subscription, I'm giving you all 25% off. All you got to do is go online to real-leaders.com slash subscribe and enter in coupon code podcast25. There you have it, folks. For the visual learners out there today, last thing, if you want to watch this episode, want to watch all of these episodes, that's why we record them. They're on our YouTube channel for your enjoyment, for your employees' enjoyment, for your students' enjoyment. Go online, go to YouTube, just type in Realtors Magazine, hit the subscribe button, and stay tuned for following episodes coming out so you can watch, listen, and learn. That's it for me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Realtors Podcast, and stay tuned for the next episode.